0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. All right, thank you for that. Well, it is so good to see you here this morning. I'm so excited to be in front of you. And uh, just first thing I want to say is, man, we are just in love with this church, and we are in love with Pastor Todd and Terry Lee. Now, if you don't know this, I've known Pastor Todd for about since 2001. That's a long time. And uh, I have always told him, I just felt like God has always called me to be an associate pastor at a church to stand alongside somebody who's a great leader and just help lead along the way. So I know he's not here right now, but can we just give some love for Pastor Todd and Terry Lee? He's a great man of God. And my wife and I, we are excited to be here in this church So, um, I'm just going to jump right in. So, we've been in a series called Connected. Um, By the way, my dad is here. I love my dad. Dad, It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I love... love, Well, thank you for standing up, Dad. (laughs) My dad is here. So, so good to see my dad. We're in a series called Connected. Everybody say Connected. The idea of this series is uh, just the type of friends, the four types of friends you need to have in your life uh, The first week we talked about Jonathan And Pastor Todd mentioned how Jonathan is a supportive friend The kind of friend that just needs to be by you at all times The kind of, he's like your homie, your homeboy Your amiga, your amigo Somebody who's your roll dog That can always be alongside you and support you And lift you up And, and, and you know, you, you die together You ride together, bad boys for life kind of deal The second week uh, we talked about Everybody needs a Paul Everybody say Paul this is the kind of friend that is your mentor, your guide, someone that that would show you the ropes of life, somebody who can help elevate you to help you get where you need to get to because they've been there and they're ready to pour that into you. Everybody needs a Paul, a Mr. Miyagi of some sort. Uh, this week, I want to talk to you about everybody needs a Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Come on. Everybody needs someone in their life that is an encourager this doesn't necessarily have to be your best friend this doesn't have to be your mentor this just needs to be somebody that can speak life-giving words in times that you feel down this is the kind of friend that would lift up your spirits when when the odds seem to be so stacked against you it's the kind of friend that will come alongside you when people talk about you and they gossip about you and they'll stand right next to you and they'll say hey don't listen to them I still believe in you. You know, uh, last week I talked about how I was, uh, and if you don't know, I'm I'm born and raised in a country called, a beautiful country called Eritrea. It's located by the Red Sea. Uh, It's right above a country called Ethiopia. And most of my life, that's where I grew up. And then I lived in Saudi Arabia for 12 years and had a great journey and a great time with my family out there. And And then we came to America. And I came to America in my early teen years. And I want you to know something. Man, teenagers are mean, okay? When I came here, I, I was new to everything. I was new to society. I mean, when I mean everything, I literally mean everything. The food was different. The music was different. The people were different. The style of clothes that people wore was so different. There's things that I didn't know. I didn't know there was rules to the game of clothing, y'all, Okay? <laughs> Africans love colors you guys. We love all kind of colors. We love bright colors And I just remember that man my first year of high school was tough. I would go to school I didn't know you can put stuff in your hair to make it look good So one day I don't lie. I saw a movie called coming to America who knows coming to America Great movie, right? I wanted to be that guy from that soul Glow commercial, you know, just let your soul. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You're laughing, but I really wanted to be him. So I decided, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to hook it up. Didn't even know what he put in his hair. I went into my mother's room, and I found a bunch of baby oil. And I said, you know what? This is going to work. The ladies will love me. <laughs> Let me show you a little picture of how I used to look like and what I used to dress like. Can we put that picture on the screen? And that's me all the way on the right. And look, look, I can't even... There's like 50 colors on me, y'all. It was bad. Um, but I went to school, and I put this baby oil all on my hair. And I'm telling you, I thought I, was, I thought I was the man. And I'll never forget it, because it was probably one of the hardest days of my life. Because people would watch me, but their eyes would just open. Like, I'm like, what is up with people, right? And my friends would look at me, but like, they're not talking to me like I love, but they're looking at my head with all this oil that's kind of like dripping down my my skin and it got really bad and then a girl walks up to me and she goes you were probably one of the ugliest people that I've ever seen in my life and people laughed and I felt deflated and I remember just thinking to myself why would she say something like that and I it was just bad and, and I'll never forget this moment because just seconds later, people are laughing. My friends were laughing at me. That's the kind of friends I used to have. They just thought it was so funny. They're like, ah, oily hair, right? And, and, and one girl in particular, her name was Myra Jones. I'll never forget her because A, she was the hottest girl in school. Uh, B, she was uh, uh, just known by everybody. She was sweet and generous and nice. Everybody loved Myra. And I remember Myra came alongside of me. And she looked at me and she said, I think you're just a beautiful man. I think you're a great individual. And I want you to know your best is yet to come. Do you know how I felt? I felt great. The hottest girl in the school just told me I was beautiful. (laughs) I felt fantastic. But I remember in that time, she was my Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Barnabas is someone that would lift up your hands when you're fatigued. They will add a hand when it's quiet and there's no one clapping. A Barnabas is someone that will let you make mistakes in life and let you fail at times, fail forward at times, and they'll stand right alongside you and they'll tell you, you know what, don't give up. God still has a plan for your life. You know, it's interesting when we look at what words do and encouraging words and discouraging words in a recent study by a doctor named Dr. Andrew Newberg. Uh, you know, have you heard of that phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words from thee will never what? That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. It's a lie. Because the truth is, man, th- throw me some some sticks and hit me with something, but it, it, it must be a ton better than the words that we hear sometimes and the words that, be, that are spoken into our lives. Because they hurt. Words can hurt, y'all. Words can hurt. In fact, Dr. Newberg says words can change your brain in a recent study that he did in his book uh, uh words can change your brains here's what he says is that when you give someone life-taking words or life-giving words something happens in your mind when you give life-giving words words of encouragement you alter uh, 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 the, the expression of genes in your frontal lobes in your brains and the ones that control what is your uh, your feelings for stress and your feelings for anxiety. It's why when somebody says something great to you, you feel good. It's why when somebody it's like when you hear a good song or when you hear the worship music and you say, "Man, I just feel great." It's because uh, there's an alter of expression of genes in your mind and it's telling you that you know what uh, uh, this is a good time for you to feel great, to be positive and confident about yourself. But when you give life taking words when you give discouraging words conversely when you dish these out this is what happens you disrupt the specific genes that create neurochemicals in your brain that are supposed to protect you from stress isn't that crazy it's why we feel so deflated when somebody says something to us it's why when we're in an environment where people are constantly negative we just feel like man i'm stressed out Why is it that I feel the way I feel? Why is it depressing to be around certain people that are negative at all times? When we speak life-taking words, that's what we feel. The writer in Proverbs said this the best in Proverbs 12, 25. He says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word, it cheers it up. Here's what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you three life applications we can learn from Barnabas and the power of encouragement and how if we apply these things to our life, man, it can be a game changer for you and I. And so here's what I want to do. I want to set up the story of Barnabas for you because we, who is Barnabas anyway? Where where did he come from? And to do so, let me give you a little context about the church at this time. In those times, the church was going through a difficult time. Just recently in that time... Uh, Two guys had just been killed a guy named James and a guy who was stoned to death and his name was Stephen Two of the apostles Peter and John were in jail just recently for speaking about the word of Christ And they were put in jail because they prayed over someone and he was healed the time in this In this in this era, it was hard to be a Christian. It wasn't easy. It was difficult I mean, it's easy for us to be Christians now. Sometimes it's just easy to devote a day, a Sunday to come to church. And there's many people that, you know, they have one foot in and one foot out. But in those days, man, it was too expensive to be a Christian. It was easier just to deny Christ and live your own life so that you were happy. But that didn't stop the disciples at that time. In fact, here's where I want to take you in Acts chapter four, verse 32. This is how the disciples respond to all this animosity. All the believers were one in heart, mind and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had with great Power. the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Listen, isn't that beautiful? Do you hear that? These guys were unified for one cause to come together. And in spite of what was happening in that time, they were excited to fellowship. And they cared about each other so much that they made sure that no one was in need. That's awesome. Let's continue. And so, uh, 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 with great power and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them for for from time to time those who owned lands and houses sold them brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. that is powerful but here's what we learn about Barnabas for instance there was Joseph (laughs) the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas which means son of an encouragement He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus, and he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this or remember this. The first thing we're going to learn about Barnabas is that we need to have a reputation of encouragement. Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you son of an encouragement. Come on, just do it. Come on. You son of an encouragement. You know, I've been called many son of a whatever <laughs> in my life. How do you gain a nickname? Or better yet, how do, you, how do you... You can't just call yourself something and say, this is my nickname. No, your reputation, it precedes you. People give you a nickname. For instance, if you had a 16-year-old daughter and she came home and she said, Daddy, I just met someone and I think I'm in love. You as a cautious father, I would hope, would say, well, who is this person? And if she told you his name was Smooches... <laughs> How would you feel about that? Or better yet, let's say you're driving, and this is a true story, y'all. Let's say you're, let's say you call Uber, and you strike up a conversation with your Uber driver, and you're talking, and then you say, so what's your name? He goes, my name is Ralph, but people call me Crash. How would you feel about that? Your reputation, it precedes you. You gain a reputation by who you are. And normally you don't get a reputation from something you do one time. It's a bit, it's a part of your character. It's who you are. And Barnabas, his reputation preceded him. Barnabas, the Bible tells us that he sold his property, which was unusual because he was a Levite and Levites, they didn't own land. When Israel was divided into 12 different tribes, Levites were not allowed to own property and somehow maybe somebody passed it along to him. Maybe somebody gifted it to him We don't know but barnabas has land and the bible says that he sold all of his land He gathered up everything sold it and then he took the money and he came to the apostles and laid it down at his feet in return The apostles were so encouraged by what he did and what he said He would give them words of encouragement that they said dude, we're going to change your name from joseph to barnabas son Of encouragement. Isn't that incredible? That this man would give up his livestock. He would give up his livelihood, maybe his retirement plan, whatever it may be. He saw a need. He saw something broken. He heard about the apostles when they were coming and said, You know what? I got to help these guys. I got to help to push the mission further. And what does he do? He sells everything that he has. And he goes to the apostles and he comes up to them and he gives them encouraging words. And they're so encouraged that they change his name to Barnabas. Let me ask you a question. If the friends that are around you, if your family, if your close circle of people around you can give you one nickname for who you are today, what would that be? What would your reputation be? Reputation is something that's created over time. It requires effort, your character, Your due diligence. And I want you to know we need to have a reputation of encouragement as a church. Amen? We need to be people that are always encouraging other people. And even if it costs us something at times, listen, Barnabas went out of his way to meet people that he can encourage. Isn't that incredible? That he didn't just stand back. And here's what we do as a society. As a society, sometimes we wait for people to perform before we can encourage them. Oh, this is going to be good. Listen. We, we wait for someone's performance and we don't speak encouragement to their potential. You know, it's like in this culture, it's like the voice. We got our hands crossed like this. And we tend to encourage people that sound right. And maybe our chair will turn back. But I want you to know that's not a reputation of encouragement. A reputation of encouragement goes out and they find people. They look for people to say, hey, your best days are yet to come. They go out of their way to look for someone and say, hey, don't believe what other people say about you. Believe what God says about you. A reputation of encouragement goes out just as Barnabas did. And he sold everything, even though it cost him everything. He didn't care. He saw a need and went out of his way to go meet that need. A reputation of encouragement. You know how you get it? It's by practicing. And and, and it's not about just proclaiming uh, the platitudes of love and grace and generosity. Uh, You have to live them. And when you live them, you don't have to just yell it out. Let other people find that about you. Let other people say that about you. We need to have a reputation of encouragement. Can I ask you a question? Who are you encouraging? Who are you telling to be their best? A mentor taught me years ago that if you have something good to say, just say it. If there's something on your mind and it's good, just say it. It's easy for me to go out and find people that need encouragement. There's no lack of that, y'all. Just the other day, I was a Safeway, and I saw a man with four kids, and his kids were like baby kids. They were just all over the map. They were screaming and hollering, and I looked at him, and I said, dude, your kids are beautiful. God gave you such an honor to be a father. Power. Words of encouragement. I was on a BART, San Francisco BART, and I was just driving. I was uh, riding on the, on the BART, and a man was playing a song, and just playing a song out loud on the guitar on the Bart, And I walked up to him and I said, man, God gave you a special gift. Continue to use your gift. And he said, thank you for saying that. We need to go out of our way. And when we have a reputation of encouragement, we find people. I said, God, if it can be anyone that you can encourage me, uh, you can have me encourage, would you please show them to me? And I want to encourage you. We as a church, we need to have a reputation of encouragement. Somebody say amen. Come on. Barnabas knew the disciples were in trouble. He knew it. He knew they were hurting, and he went out of his way to go and encourage them. And so, because Barnabas used his gift of encouragement to build the kingdom, they trusted him. And because they trusted him, here's what happens in verse 22, uh, Acts 11. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived uh, and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged, he encouraged the believers to stay true. The Lord, and I love this right here. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And many people, everybody say, Many come on, many people were brought into the Lord because of this man's reputation, because of his encouragement. People came to Christ. People, he didn't have scriptures back then, there was no Bible. He would just speak to people and tell them that God loves them and cares about them. He would tell them about the good news of the gospel because it is good news. And he would encourage them. And in some translations, it says thousands of people came to know the Lord. If you have friends or family or people that you keep praying for, I want to encourage you. The best thing that you can do to someone is encourage them. In fact, like Pastor Todd said, the most spiritual thing you can do at times is encourage somebody. And watch what God begins to do in their heart watch what God begins to steer because if your encouragement because if you're encouraging words watch what begins To happen The second thing I want to show you about the power of encouragement is that encouragement releases people Into their future the next verse says this Then barnabas went on to tarsus to look for saul. This is the part of the story where the music just drastically changes Saul, let me tell you about Saul, if you don't know Saul and Paul. Saul was a Jewish leader in the synagogues, and he just had enough. He said, I'm sick and tired of the Christians. I'm sick and tired of how these people disrespect the Jewish culture. And so he was the mastermind for plotting, just, just finding Christians and making sure that they wouldn't say another word. He was in charge. He was the mastermind. When Stephen got stoned for what he said, uh, it was Paul who put that together. And many Christians were killed, and, 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 and Paul was in charge of, of a lot of these. But one day, he was on his way to Damascus, and on his journey, he heard a voice from God, and God said, well, what, Jesus said, why, why, why do you keep attacking me? Why do you keep coming after me? And long story short is that Paul had a conversion. He had this one-on-one encounter with Jesus, and all of a sudden, his heart changed. He repented, which, which just means that he, he turned his heart over to God, and now he became a Christian. And now that you see that, here's what happens. Paul begins to go out and preach and teach and and people are shocked and people are confused. Wasn't this the guy that was making sure Christians were getting killed and crucified? Why what happened to Paul? and verse twenty six is where we go to. It says that when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted, he attempted to join the disciples. Uh, but they were all afraid of him, not really believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he encouraged them on how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached and fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now look, I, I, let's not get sidetracked by the superstar in the story. Paul is and in, 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 in fact, he's... One of the, If you look on, on Google and who are the most five influential people of all time, Paul's name would be there. I mean, he was that influential. He did many great things, and I'll get to that in a second. But let's not get sidetracked with the story a little bit about who Paul is. Um, here's the truth. People were afraid. When people heard that Paul was coming, I mean, just imagine if you were the disciples and you knew that he just murdered Stephen and you knew of all the things that he did to your family, and, and and you knew that he had a reputation of just being a bad dude, how would you feel? Maybe this is some kind of new SWAT operation called Paul SWAT, whatever. <laughs> and maybe it's a trap of some sort. Maybe this is how they do things. Maybe Paul goes around and tells the guy, oh, hey guys, I'm just like you. And when they get there, and all these Roman soldiers come in, and these whoever comes in, and and they kill people and they take babies and all that how would you feel as a disciple he'd be terrified and they were terrified bible says that they were afraid but barnabas everybody say but barnabas come on but the son of an encourager but the son of encouragement he gets up and he goes right alongside paul and he goes guys you have it wrong stop it you guys have it wrong this man, I've seen what he's done and I've seen what God is doing. And you got to hear him teach. Man, there is a fire in him that is just so good and you've got to hear him teach and preach as a fire that God wants to use through him. And, and 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 Barnabas stands up to the apostles. And you know, remember the apostles were now far removed from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now they were like kind of a big deal. Like everybody knew these guys and there were people that uh, were respected leaders, but Barnabas in spite of all that he says, I don't care how you guys, I don't know, I don't care what status you guys have. I stand by this man. I stand by Paul. Barnabas cared more about significance than he did about prominence. And that's what great leaders do. Great leaders don't care who's around you. They don't care who, uh, uh, you know, how many likes they have on Facebook or how many followers they have on Twitter. They don't care. All they care is that they see potential in you and they encourage you to be the best that God designs for you to be. Great leaders and great encouragers, I would I would say this, um, it's just something to think through, but what would have happened? What would have happened if Barnabas wasn't in the story and Paul comes to the disciples and tells them, Hey guys, I'm just like you. I want to hang with you guys. What would have happened? I don't know. Perhaps maybe there was, maybe there'd be no Paul. And I won't, I'm not going to play God in this. Maybe, maybe God would have sent a new guy named Ralph to do it. I don't know. But in this story, here's what I know. Here's what we know is that Barnabas stood up and encouraged the disciples and encouraged them. guys, this man is true to his faith and I want you to give him a try. I see something in him. And the disciples bought in and they listened to him. Every one of us here can look back. Here's what I know. Every one of us here can look back in the rearview mirror of our lives. And we'll see somebody that encourages us to be the best that we are. Somebody who released us to our potential. For me, it was many people, to be honest with you. My dad is one. My dad has always spoken words of encouragement to me and told me I can be somebody great. Tim Story is another guy. When I was 16 years old and I was new to the faith, he would just speak life-giving words to me. And he would tell me, you know what? I feel like God's going to make you a youth pastor one day. I said, dude, I don't even like teenagers, man. They told me I have oily hair, you know. And he said, hey, listen, God's got great things for you in your life. You just listen. You just, you just hang in there. And how do you... I was a youth pastor for 12 years of my life. We reached thousands of kids, and we did some great things in youth ministry. Uh, pastor Adam Burnell is another one of them always told me, man, Nate, you have a gathering spirit. You just tend to gather people around you, and they would just speak these things into me. And I'm telling you, words of encouragement that was spoken it released what was inside of me. I didn't even know it was there. I'll give you another story. Years ago, <coughs> I decided that I wanted to give. Uh, one second. I heard about a guy named Steve Harvey. Anybody here know Steve Harvey? And I heard he had this thing called a Domino Classic Tournament. And I love the game of Domino's. Um, and like many other Domino players, I am a self-proclaimed at that time. I just told myself, hey, I must be the best player in the world, right? Uh, but little do we know that, that we're not the best players sometimes. We just haven't faced the right competition, you know? And so I remember going to his tournament, and I remember winning his tournament. Long story short, uh, my wife and I drove out to L.A., And I met Steve, and they let me in, and 600 people lost, and I won a tournament, and voila. You know, I made $2,500 that day. Everybody, come on. That's good, right? 20. Now watch. And I really thought that was great. I really did. And they started a league called the PDA, Professional Domino Association, where we traveled 36 different states. um, And we would go to different cities, and we would play all the time. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to do what I did before because I didn't even know I could do that before, but I'm going to do it again because, man, I think I'm great and I'm like the best in the world and so on, right? And I remember traveling. And I remember the first tournament we went in, I lost. Bad. And I said, oh, somebody got lucky. And then I went to a second tournament and I lost. Pretty bad. And now, that 2500 bucks that I won, it's all gone. I'm trying to go to these tournaments and be a champion of Domino's. And I said, man, what is up? And I went to a third tournament and a fourth tournament, and I lost. And all the publicity that I had from the first tournament that I won, when people said, "Oh my God, he is that good," now the publicity is, "Oh, he's just." <laughs> hey, it was fake to begin with. He got lucky, and it hurt, and it broke me. And then a man named Travis Newsom gave me a call. I remember the day. I remember t- telling my wife I will never play dominoes again. I'm done. Plus, I didn't have the money to go play anyway. And and Travis Newsom gives me a call. And he goes, "Son, can I talk to you for a second?" He called me from Kansas City. And I said, "What's up, Travis?" And he said, "Hey man, I just want you to know the best is yet to come. I see something inside of you. I see what I see in myself inside of you." And I said, "Travis, I don't have the money to fly out and be a part of these tournaments." And Travis said, "Here's what I'm going to do for you. Moving forward, I'm going to pay for your trip to go to every single tournament. Moving forward, I'm going to pay for your hotel fees. I'm going to pay for this and pay for that. And he goes, I just want you to know I see something inside of you. I think your best is yet to come. Do you know that he spoke life into me and I ended up winning eight out of the next 10 tournaments, y'all? And I'll tell you why. It's because when you speak words of encouragement into someone's life and you encourage them and tell them the best is yet to come, you release them into their potential. I ended up being the number one domino player in 2007 and in 2008 in the entire world, and God was just so good to me, and I'm telling you, we have got to speak words of encouragement so we can release someone into their potential, and this is what Barnabas is doing for Paul. Barnabas is saying, Paul, listen, I believe in you. I believe in what God is doing inside of you, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand by you, which might get me killed, and it might hurt me, and it might have people hate me, but I don't care about that. I believe in what God is doing inside of you. And let me finish off and close off by saying this. The third thing is that encouragement, it restores people's failures. So Paul gets into this place where him and Barnabas are doing ministry together and they're traveling the world now. And they're going to different cities and speaking about the love of Christ and how Christ died for your sins and how he's the resurrected king and that if you believe in him, you don't have to sacrifice lambs and all this stuff anymore. God is the sacrifice. Christ was the sacrifice that can forgive your sins. And people would hear this message and just say, that is what I wanted to hear, that I needed that. And they would come and thousands upon thousands of people would come to Christ because they were encouraged by Paul and Barnabas. But in one particular mission, there was a few people, and there was Paul, and there was Barnabas, and there was a guy named John Mark. And for whatever reason, we don't know why, the Bible doesn't tell us why, but John Mark in the middle of the mission gets up and goes, I've had it, I'm done, I'm out of here. And he walks out. Maybe he got tired of seeing his friends, being martyrs. Maybe he got tired of just the long haul of hiding from house to house and going from place to place and was like, uh we don't know. But he quit and he walked out. And the Bible says that maybe what months later, Acts chapter fifteen, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. And Barnabas agreed and said, "Yes, let's do that," and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had continued with, and they had not continued with them in their work. I don't know who in this story um, is right or wrong sometimes, but here's what I do know: uh, that they were going on a Mrs. trip, and Paul wanted to go back and encourage the church. And he just said, hey, look, anybody can go with us except for John Mark. Mm -mm, He's a quitter. We don't need him by our side. He's a quitter. And before you judge Paul, Paul is just that type A personality. Hey, the mission comes first. Let's go at all costs. It's just who Paul is. It's just the way that he's wired. But Barnabas, true to his character, he says, Paul, we can't do that. We need to bring John Mark alongside us we need to give him a chance we need to give him a second chance John Mark God still has something for you in your life so I want you to stick alongside us but Paul said no 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 no, that's not going to happen and here's what the Bible says the Bible says in verse 39 they had a sharp disagreement everybody say sharp come on that is another way of saying they had a big fight have you ever had a sharp disagreement I have sharp disagreements with my wife sometimes (laughs) they had a sharp disagreement. Listen, these were two men. And we might think that they had a sharp disagreement They just prayed about it and said, hey, let it be. No, no. They had a sharp disagreement. It was so bad that Barnabas and Paul decided to split ways. And Paul went one way and he took a guy named Silas with him. And Barnabas went another way. And guess who he took with him? He took John Mark. He encouraged him. And not in just saying, Barnabas, uh, John, Mark, hey, it's okay, you'll do better. He said, no, no, why don't you come alongside of me? And I want to encourage you in the ways of the Lord. And here's what I truly believe. I truly believe that John, Mark came back to Barnabas and Paul. And for whatever reason he left, he wasn't the same person he was. He came back retented and wanting to be a part of this mission again. And and, and and Barnabas saw that in him. This great man of encouragement saw that in him and said, you know what? You can be restored. Why don't you just come alongside me? And God uses for the best. I mean, now you got two great guys preaching in different areas of the world and sharing the message of the gospel. So God used that whole story for, the, for his glory. But here's what I want you to know is that, man, I, 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 we know what this feels like. We know what it feels like to, to be John Mark. Because I don't know about you, but man, I can't tell you how many times I needed a second chance. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I've missed it. You know, I've been in ministry for 18 years now. And, and there's so many times that God has told me to do things in my life. And, and I've done some of them. And there's many times I've missed the point. As a husband, I love being married and I love my wife. And there's many times I've been there for my wife. And I can tell you as a husband many times why I've missed that mark as well. As a father, I can tell you how, many, how much I love my kids. They're beautiful. They're amazing. They say crazy stuff. We have fun. We do life together. And there's times where I've missed it as a father. And I've missed the mark and I've let the business of life and work or whatever else just disrupt that. I don't know about you, but I can relate to John Mark because I've missed the point as well. But Barnabas, but Barnabas, but an encourager in your life is who you need to help you get from point A to point B to tell you, hey, you need to get back in there and you need to keep pressing on. Hey, God made you the head and not the tail. Hey, God has plans for you in your life. You need to keep fighting. You know, we live in such a pragmatic society that we think we have people figured out. We do. We think we have, and we, and we put them in a box and we say to ourselves, you were tied to your past sins. And you are tied to your past failures, and this is who you are. Just the other day, I saw somebody I hadn't seen in 20 years. And they said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. They said, dude, do you still get high all the time? (laughs) (laughs) 20 years ago! (laughs) For some reason, people will know you as who you were. And an encourager will know you for who you need to be in Christ. I want you to know we need to surround ourselves with a Barnabas. We need to surround ourselves with somebody that can speak life-giving words. And not just that, we also need to be a Barnabas to somebody else. We need to go out of our way to find people to encourage. In fact, here's here's a little assignment for you. Just ask God today. Just ask God in the quietness of your heart. Just say, God, would you show me who I need to encourage? Would you interrupt my schedule so I can encourage somebody? Would you show me who I can bless because there's someone that is waiting for their blessing on the other side of your encouragement. Come on, somebody. We need to be Barnabases to other people. And the last thing shortly is that when all else fails, we can encourage ourselves. God gave you the gift of encouragement. You know what encouragement really is? Listen here. Encouragement is prophetic. You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is when you speak truth in life of scripture and you speaking it to someone. And you can tell yourselves, Man, God made me the head and not the tail. Huh. God made me a warrior. God said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me. And I want you to understand, you can speak words of encouragement to yourself. You can speak life-giving words to yourself, and your circumstances will begin to change. Abraham Lincoln was known for having five things in his pocket on the day that he was assassinated and one of those five things was a small newspaper article that just talked about how great of a president he was and people would say he would keep that close to him at all times to remind him that whenever he's attacked by the media or whoever maybe for his handling of the war he would look at that and remind himself and encourage himself hey you're still a good president would you please close your eyes and bow your heads I want to encourage you today Be an encourager. Be someone that has a reputation of encouragement. Go out of your way. Find someone. Bless them. Be the friend that you want other people people to be in your life. And I want you to know that when you begin to encourage someone, here's what you do. You begin to restore them to who they need to be. You begin to release them to who they need to be. There's power in encouragement. And right now, I just want to pray for you. And just let you know that God is the ultimate encourager. There's everything we need is, is 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 in Christ. And when we begin to pray and believe in what Christ can be inside of us, man, the church will be such a loud voice in this community. So, Father, right now I just pray a blessing over everybody here. That as we walk away today, Lord, we learn that that any chance that we can get, any chance we have a, a chance to say something great. Let us be a vocal uh, presence of you, Lord, in our communities, in our homes. Lord, I pray for marriages right now that are struggling and are hurting. I, I it's pro- there's, pro- there's probably more life-taking words than life-giving words, but I pray over that marriage right now that you would uh, uh, just be a positive presence in that marriage and that people would begin to encourage one another and build one another, Lord. I pray, Lord, for... Uh, uh, for people in their jobs right now, Lord, that uh, that might be working for someone that's just rough and tough on them, Lord. But I just pray, Lord, that you would find a way to encourage them to be the best that they can be, Lord. I pray, Father God, for people, Lord, that uh, just, just, just parents, Lord, that have been discouraged in so many ways, Father God, of how to raise their kids. But Lord, just let us uh, uh, learn to speak life giving words into our situations and into other people, Father God. And let us be a vocal presence of you, Father. So we just thank you and bless you. And uh, we just thank you for this great example of this man named Barnabas, Lord, who... uh who doesn't have a book written after him, but John Mark does, Lord, and doesn't have uh, the accolades that other people have, Lord, but just stood right by you, Lord, and encouraged. And now, Father God, uh, we have Barnabas and Paul in in, in the book of Mark with us. So we just thank you and bless you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody say amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands and give a shout of praise. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.